Our subject is the confusion of predestination. What is the doctrine of predestination? It has long been generally known as a Calvinistic view of election. It's the idea that God chooses individuals to be saved based on nothing they have done. Not even faith has anything to do with it. It's God's sovereign choice. He chooses who he wishes. Now, the other side of that is the Armenian theology, and they believe that God chooses people on the basis of God seeing ahead of time who will believe and who will make a decision to accept Christ. Now, they also believe that you have to surrender your life and you have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, and they call that free will. So the question that we need to ask ourselves, has God pre-selected those who will believe? And do others have no real opportunity to choose to call upon his name to be saved? Now, this doctrine has been in debate for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, and it seems like we get to no real, real satisfying answer to this question on predestination. What happens to most times, I've heard debates about it. Um, some say that, well, I'm a Calvinist and I believe that God pre-selects pre individuals. The others say, well, I'm on the Armenian side and I think that God gives us a free will a chance to choose. So the real question is, does God go down faith way or 55 and, and he's saying heaven, heaven, hell, hell, heaven, heaven. Um, is that what God is doing? Well, no. God is not pre-selecting some and leaving others without an opportunity. But the predestination is found in the Bible, but God is not pre-selecting individuals and leaving others out. Well, how do I know that? Well, like in any doctrine in the Bible, you have to test it. You have to test it and see if this is what the Bible really says. Or is it taken out of context? And we're going to find out this morning that a lot of things that we believe in have been taken out of context. And we don't really realize it. Now, keep in mind that we are here to look at Scripture, to test the Scripture, and to see what God is saying is true. Now, our problem with predestination is how do you know that you're picked? Now, you might walk away from church, drive home, and you feel, you know, I really feel close to God. I think I'm picked. But then Wednesday or Thursday comes by and the, word, and the world comes at us 
and uh, throws us for a spin. And we think, well, if I was really picked, I wouldn't be thinking the way I'm thinking. Um, it seems to me that I would have more of assurance than I have. And then, what do we do about evangelism? If you're pre-selected, if God has pre-selected you, why would we evangelize? Why would Jesus tell the disciples to go into the world and preach and teach the gospel? And then, what do you do with scriptures? Some scriptures, like Romans, and Romans 11.32, For God has shut up all in disobedience, so that he may show mercy to all. Now, then we have John 3.16, our favorite scripture, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we have scriptures to lead us to believe that God is not pre-selecting us. He's given us an opportunity to choose. So let's go back to the very beginning of the Christian church. For all practical purposes, the Christian church started on the day of Pentecost. Now, <clears throat> Peter addressed the crowd, and he preaches the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And then he urges the crowd to accept, repent, and receive the Holy Spirit. And your Bible will tell you on that day, 3,000 Jews were added to the gospel and added to the church. The church was formed then, and it was made up exclusively of Jewish converts. In Acts 10... Peter was in the town of Joppa, and he was with a tanner named Simon. About noon one day, Peter went up to the roof to pray, and he fell into a trance, and he received a vision that God gave him. It's recorded in Acts 10. And he saw the sky open up, and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners, corners to the ground. It says here in verse 12, and there were in all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and the birds of the air. In verse 13, a voice called to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. I can't tell you through the years, when I spent 35 years as a vegetarian, how many people would quote this to me, that you can eat anything. Well, this has nothing to do with eating clean and unclean foods. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever but is totally taken out of context. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should call any man unholy 
or unclean. So that is the translation of the text. Now, Peter didn't understand what that, that, that vision meant at the time. And as he was thinking about the meaning of it, as he was praying about the meaning of it, three men were sent by Cornelius, a Gentile. And uh, Cornelius, he sent these men, and, and they came to Simon and told him what Cornelius has told them to do. And after explaining they had come, then they escorted Peter to Caesarea. And he said to them, of, excuse me, in verse 28, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. In the Jewish way of thinking, the Gentile, now who are the Gentiles? Well, it's anybody who's not a Jew. There's only two classes of people, Jews and Gentiles. So is anybody who is not a Jew. In the Jewish way of thinking, the Gentiles were unpure, dirty, unclean, and the Jewish people didn't want anything to do with them. Now think about it. The Jews were God's chosen people. They were chosen before the foundation of the earth. Now, their Jehovah, the great I am, was now including and offering salvation to these dirty pagan Gentiles. That's you and that's me. And the Jewish people thought that you mean to say that the Gentiles have access to the Holy of Holies? And Peter came to understand through the vision that God does not show favoritism. Now, in verse 45, 43, excuse me, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. The Jewish people had a very difficult time with this. They could not believe that God was opening the door. They were God's chosen people for thousands of years. And now God is opening up the door to include Gentiles. In verse 45, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, Peter traveled back to Jerusalem to tell the believers there what had happened. In Acts eleven seventeen, the Bible says this. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter says, who am I that I should stand in God's way? Until that time, the believers in Jerusalem had shared the message of Jesus Christ only with the Jews. They did not share it with any Gentiles, only the Jews. Once they realized that the Gentiles were added 
that could be saved by believing the message of Jesus Christ, then the gospel was whosoever may come. And they heard this. They quieted down, glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. And also, in Ephesians 3, 6, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It was God's plan from the very beginning, before the foundations of the world, that the Gentiles would be predestined to be included in the promise. Now, the doctrine of predestination or election is, all, is also, I mean, the election is also associated with predestination, but the truth is that you and, and I, it is not about God's plan to offer salvation to just a selected few, but to all humanity all around the world, in every country, both to the Jew and to the Gentile. But part of the problem with the Christian church today is we have cherry-picked certain verses to support a particular slant without looking at the context of the scripture. You know, in real estate, they say that it all depends on location, location, location. In the study of the Bible, it all depends on context, context, and context. It's so easy for us to take a scripture, pull it out, and make a belief system out of it without checking the entire passage and without checking the entire book that it was written in. You can read Romans. I had a call after we had Bible study on Wednesday night. The following day, I had a call from out of state. And this lady was asking me. She said, I am confused about this predestination issue. I've been reading uh, Romans 8 and 9, and I just don't get it. And I told her, I said, listen, when you go to Romans 9, there's only two places that the Bible talks about it, predestination and election, and that is in Romans, four chapters of Romans, and two chapters in Ephesians. Romans and Ephesians were written to the Gentiles. Now, you can look at some of the letters that were written to the Jews. You can look at Hebrews. That was a book that was written to the Jews. You can look at James. You can look at First and Second Peter. You can look at First, Second, and Third John. And these epistles, these letters, were written to the Jewish people. And you'll not find one single thing about predestination or election. Why? because the Jewish people already knew that they were the chosen ones. They already knew that. Now, reading through the book of Romans and Ephesians, you will see that the context of these verses do not speak about the doctrine of predestination and election. It's all about God's plan to save both 
Jews and Gentiles. And so I told this lady on the phone, I says, do me a favor. When you read Romans 9, go directly to Romans 9, 30 and 31. Read those two texts, then go back and start going reading and start reading the other 29 chapters. Excuse me, the other 29 verses. You will find that Paul explains it very plainly in, in 30 and 31. And so she did that. She called me later and she said, I get it. I see it. I understand it now. So we do have a problem because predestination is a biblical term and it's a biblical concept. But what is God predestined? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. In Romans, and of course you already heard me say that predestination is found in Romans, in four chapters in Romans, 8, 9, 10, 11. In, in Romans, again, Paul is writing this. He says, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. And so that's the issue. The issue is in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's, the issue is between who, do you, who, who is God trying to reach? And the Bible says he's trying to reach the Jews and he's trying to reach the Gentiles. The Gentiles are everyone who is not Jew. And so it becomes clearer when we read some of these scriptures. The Jews misunderstood God's plan. They knew they were God's chosen people. They knew that. And if you, if you would ask any Christian body today, who are God's chosen people in the Bible, they'll see the Jews. We have people today, we have um, TV evangelists, we have TV preachers who want everyone to support the Jewish people. And there's a reason that they do this. They bring up some texts in the Old Testament too. Um, but everybody knows that God's people were God's, cho God's chosen people were the Jewish nations. For thousands of years, God protected the Jewish people. Now, it's also in the Old Testament where he disciplined them also. But he protected them because within the Jewish people was the tribe of Judah. And that's where the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come from. And so he protected those people. And he protects all of God's people today. And so they misunderstood it. In Romans 3, 29, uh, or excuse me, in Ephesians 1, 4, 4 through 5, we're going to study and see how the book of Ephesians, what it really means. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So we pick up our Bible, we, look at the, we read the text, just as he chose us. Well, who is us? Who is us? It's not us. Paul says here, this in the next verse, he predestined us. Well, who is us? He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intentions of his will. So, who is us? Paul is a Jew, Jewish. 
He's, he's been a Jew all of his life. He's born a Jew, raised a Jew, and still he is a Jew. And so he says, he predestined us. He chose us. Who is us? It's the Jewish people. It's really quite simple. Paul is a Jew, and he's referring to the Jewish people. Verse 12, the Bible says this. To the end, to, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. We who? Who are we who? We are the first. It's the Jewish people. They were the first to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Pentecost, 3,000 Jews were added to the church. Then the Bible says this. In him you also... So who's the you also? It's the Gentiles. There's only two classes of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You also, that's you and I, the Gentiles. And we, the Bible says that when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Then the Bible says this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Who is Paul talking about? He says, and you. He's not talking about us, not the Jews. He's talking about the Gentiles. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Among them, we too. Who's we too? It's the Jewish people. We too all formerly lived in the lust of, the, of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Well, who's the rest? It's the Gentiles. The whole issue is between Jews and Gentiles. So, now we come to this scripture in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from him. Now, who is that you? Those were the Gentiles. They were excluded from Christ. Now, what is the Bible saying here? The Bible's telling us that the Gentiles, you and I, we were excluded from, from God. We were blinded. We couldn't see it. And we were excluded we, did not, we were not part of Israel. We did not have the law. We did not have the prophets. We had nothing. We were all pagan believers. The Gentiles were pagans. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So God is telling us there's a difference here. There's a difference between the Jew and the Gentile. And then the Bible says this, For he himself is our peace, 
who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. In 16, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. So the Bible is very plain. And the Bible says here, and he came and preached peace to you. Who's you? The Gentiles who were far away. They were far, they were excluded from God. They were far away. And preached to those who were near. Who is the near? It's the Jewish people. They were with God from the very beginning. They were the first born again believers. The Jewish people were. Now, for through him, the Bible says, for for through him we both have our access to one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints in our, of God's household. And the Bible says this, to be pacific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Bible makes it very clear. So what is God's purpose in predestination and election? Well, it's that everyone who comes to him, not by works, but by faith, will will be regarded as the children of promise. Romans 10 says, For the scripture says, Whosoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Now, you can see that God is not pre-selecting some to be saved and some to be lost. He desires all to be saved. Now, we know that not everyone is going to be saved. But the Bible says this, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in the riches for all who call on him. For whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What what a tremendous promise that God has given to us. We are included, all the Gentiles all around the world, in every part of the country, they are included when they accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So what have we really learned that there is no division in the Holy Spirit, only unity. It's a sad day today, even in the Christian church, that we have so many things that divide us. When the Bible says that predestination is the very thing that should bring us together. He predestined the Israelites through thousands of years. God protected them protected the tribe of Judah until Jesus Christ was born. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, the Bible says he died for the sins of the world. Not just for the sins of the Jewish people, but he died for the sins of the world. You've heard me say over and over again that there is, it's not the sin issue any longer. It's the son issue. 
It's whether we have the Son, whether we've accepted Jesus Christ as, as our personal Savior. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit's been poured out upon all flesh. All flesh. Everyone is given the opportunity to accept it. Now, I know that it's a popular belief that we feel that anybody who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is going to be lost. And we say, well, that's what the Bible says. And the Bible does say it. But if I were to ask you who created the heavens and the earth, if I was in a Lutheran church, a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, I would hear it was God the Father. Those of us that are New Testament Christians know that it was Jesus Christ who called this world into existence. And you know, I had a difficult time when I became a Christian because of my own bringing up, I didn't have any relationship with my father. Um, he had uh, gone to jail when I was just young. And uh, so I didn't really meet him until I was 19 years old. Now, when I read first, when I read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, it was a hard text for me to, to grasp. I thought, well, why didn't God the Father, why didn't he? Why didn't he be the one? Why would he send his son? And then when I realized and later found out as I was reading the Bible that it was Jesus Christ who called this world into existence. In Corinthians, the Bible tells us that he was in the fire by night in the pillar of cloud by day. And so <clears throat> when he went to the cross and he died for the sins of the world, I understood it. I understood why it was him. Because he called this world into existence. He created man. And he decided that he would die for man. The truth about predestination is not about individual selection. It's not about that at all. He predestined all of us to be saved. Yes, there is a truth in predestination. That Jew and Gentile are predestined to be saved. It's a marvelous message. There's no greater message that would, put, would unite us together than that, the message of predestination, but it's divided us. And the reason it's divided us is because we've taken some of these scriptures out of context. When you read the whole book of Romans, when you read the whole book of Ephesians, then it's no mystery. But if you're just going to cherry pick certain scriptures and you're going to run away with that and you're going to build a doctrine out of it. I know that Calvin, when he first came up with this concept, that he fought a very fearful fight for that doctrine. He believed it very much. And the Armenians, they fought against it because they felt that man had a free choice. Well, man does have a free choice. The Holy Spirit's been poured upon all flesh. And you and I have an opportunity to unite our lives with God. The Bible says that when you accept Jesus Christ, you are united with him. You are united 
Nothing can break that. Nothing. And yet we have people in the Christian church who believe that you can lose your salvation. Next week I'm going to be speaking about that. About whether you can lose it or not. You already know how I feel. I feel that you can't lose it. But there are powerful points that people have when they feel that they can. My first 15 years in the ministry, I felt that you could lose it. And uh, I was bothered by it. And one day I was in my study out there in, out there in the state of Oregon. And uh, I was reading the book of Romans and I thought, no, there's something wrong. I've, I've misunderstood something. And it was through that study that I found myself leaving a church that I loved and that I, and I served for many years. Um, but it was the truth. It's the truth that sets you free. Now, I know that even in this church, several years ago, it had a split because of this Calvinistic view. And I remember the pastor, Larry, when he, he called me and asked me to meet him for lunch. And he told me what the division was. And I said to him, you know, I said, Larry, I said, it's unfortunate. Because we're all one in the body of Christ. Several years ago, I, I rented a portion of my church to a group that was just starting. They were Presbyterians and they were Calvinists. And they had a wonderful pastor, and I enjoyed him and loved him dearly. And we would often get together, and we would talk about this predestination, this election. And I said to him one time, I said, how many uh, folks, uh, how many children are in your family? He said, well, there's, I think it was four boys and a girl. He says, four boys, and we're all preachers. I said, really? I said, that's, that's, that's tremendous. I said, I am a, from a family of five. And I says, and so far, I says, I'm the only one who became a Christian. I said, but how does that work? I said, God decided that he would save all of your, your family and he would only save one of mine. I said, what, what, what's with that? And this is what he told me. He says, you know, he said, it's hard for me to explain that. He said, I don't know if I can really explain it, but I just believe it. I said, really? I just believe it, he said. Now, some of us, we are brought up to believe different things. We're brought up to believe that we could lose our salvation, or we are brought up to, to believe that we can't. Some were brought up to speak in tongues, and some not. And so there's several divisions in the church. Some were brought up to believe that, that Sabbath is still in force today, and some not. Some believe different, so many different things in the Christian church as you look at 300 different denominations that we have in the Christian church today. All of them feel that what they believe is true. The important thing is, I don't care whether you're a Roman Catholic, whether you're a Presbyterian, whether you're a Baptist, we are all members of one body of Christ. We are all members of one. We may believe things a little differently, 
but God is an infinite wisdom and power. He will reveal to us what is true. And what is truth is that Jesus Christ is our answer. He is our only answer. All of these other doctrines are exactly what they are. They're just a belief system other than, and I would hope that all of us are united in one, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ no matter what fellowship we may be in. And that's the important thing. That the predestination problem and issue, it unites us. It doesn't divide us. We are united because we have been predestined to be saved. Every single one of us here. God predestined us. He predestined us to be part of that church. Whether we're Jewish, whether we're Christians. There's a remnant in both. And we're part of that remnant. And we should be thanking God. Any identity we assume outside of being a child of God will steer us away from the body of Christ. It's Jesus Christ that unites us. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we have been united with you, that we've been fused with you, that we are in union with you. We're so thankful that you knocked on the heart of our door and we're so thankful that we opened that door and that you've come in. You've come in and you've cleaned house and you gave us a new heart. And you gave us a new desire to follow you, to love you. And Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us will come to that realization that we are just part of a wonderful family, a beautiful family, and we are part of that body of Christ. Help us, Lord, to keep that in mind. I pray, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would give to us a mind of thankfulness, a mind of praise, and we thank you and praise you for what you have done for each one of us. You have called us. We have responded. We praise you for that. Now meet the needs that each one of us have. For I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.